Good afternoon, everybody. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5, KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation, thrilled to be with you all today. Uh, so I want to really just briefly kind of go into something I went into Friday. I am, of course, very interested in our local uh, high school boys basketball teams as they continue in the playoffs. Shout out to my David Thibodeau Bulldogs, who are traveling to Peabody tonight to play there. But we've got a lot of local teams that are in the playoffs, want to recognize them. Southside traveling to Lake Charles to take on number 7 Barb. That will be tonight at 7 p.m. at the McNeese Legacy Center in Lake Charles. Uh, You've also got Nish will be hosting East Ascension at home at 7 p.m., uh, STM, the number two team in the select bracket, will be hosting Edna Carr tonight at 6.30 at home. Uh, in Division Two, we've got several area teams, including in the select bracket for Division Two. Uh, LCA will be hosting St. Michael the Archangel tonight. The Knights had a first-round bye, so they're pretty well rested. The Northside High Vikings will be traveling to Vanderbilt Catholic for 6.30 contest. Uh, the Vikings made it to the second round after beating number 20 Booker T. Washington in Shreveport in a pretty narrow 61-58 game. The David Thibodeau Bulldogs sitting at number 15 in the bracket will travel to number 2 Peabody. Like I said, on Friday, uh, the Bulldogs beat De La Salle number 18, 61-47 in an absolutely fantastic game. Uh, other area teams that are in the Division Two bracket include number five, St. Martinville. This is non-select. They will host uh, Plaquemine tonight at 7. Uh, Brobridge will be hosting number 11, Loranger. That is to be determined. Number 13, Opelousas heads to Bozier, who is number four. They play at 7. Abbeville travels to Wassman in Monroe at 6.30 tonight. And Beauchamp will be traveling to Carroll in Monroe at 7 p.m. Division three, the number 13-ranked Ascension Episcopal uh, team will travel to take on Dunham, the number four team in the bracket. That will be in Baton Rouge at 6.30. Uh, The winner of that game will go on to take on uh, Martin Luther King Charter later this week. Uh, On the non-select side, number eight, Ville Platte, will host number 24, Red River, at home tonight at 6.30. Love to watch Ville Platte play as well. They are a great squad with some great coaching. Uh, in Division Four, we had two area Catholic schools that fell in second round play last night. The Vermilion Catholic Eagles lost number seven Southern Lab, and Opelousas Catholic dropped their second round game to number five Hamilton Christian. In Division Five, you've got number four J.S. Clark hosting uh, number five Claiborne. That will be sometime this week. And number seven Episcopal of Acadiana travels to Family Christian on Thursday at six thirty. So that is your local basketball uh, playoffs continuing tonight for the boys. Uh, Good luck to all of our area teams who are still in the playoffs. Uh, In the meantime, I want to go on to uh, the big national story of the day, which is the, uh, the student loan forgiveness. That case is going to the Supreme Court. Now, this isn't a case right now of whether or not it's legal. Right now, the Supreme Court is hearing as to whether or not there is standing in the case to let the case go forward. So there are two arguments to be made in this case. One, does the Supreme Court or or, or do the plaintiffs have standing to bring this case 
before the court. This is an argument that basically means, are you actually being hurt by the student loan forgiveness? If you are and you're granted standing, then the then you actually get to move forward with your case. And if that happens, which we expect it to, the uh, the hearings today, it sounded like uh, at least five of the conservatives on the court were very skeptical of the of the plan, but also pretty much seemed to think that, yes, there was standing, there was actual injury through this act. The next thing here, and this becomes the, the bigger issue, the, the issue that we're actually having, does Joe Biden have this power? Does he have the power to unilaterally uh, just say you don't have to pay back your student loan debt or $10,000 of it? And this falls under a doctrine called major powers. Now, a a lot of folks who are for the student loan debt say, well, what about PPP? What about the, the, the Paycheck Protection Program and all this? And the problem for major powers is that we're arguing whether or not Joe Biden can create a whole new power from seemingly nothing. Where and and well, he he claims this new power, and where in the Constitution or where statutorily is this power granted? See, the Paycheck Protect Protection Plan was a power that was granted by statute to the government. It was written in the law that would allow for the PPP loans and the subsequent forgiveness of it. Because that power was statutorily given by Congress, not the president, but by Congress, it's okay. That's why it never really faced a challenge. But the problem is whether or not the executive branch unilaterally can say, I'm going to forgive $10,000 of student debt. The Democrats say, yeah, Joe Biden can do it. But this comes after years of Democrats saying, no, the president can't do that. They were very hesitant to take on this power. Nancy Pelosi had previously said the president doesn't have that power. It lies with Congress. Joe Biden had previously said he doesn't have the power. Barack Obama had previously said he doesn't have that power. But then all of a sudden, the Biden administration just said, yeah, we can do it. And that's the problem. That's what the Supreme Court really wants to get their hands on. And all nine of them really, really deep down want to address this question because it it becomes a matter of the checks and balances of the United States government. Does the executive branch have the ability, have the right, have the power through the Constitution to just unilaterally take on this, this new skill? Basically, this new power, this new ability to do something that hasn't been done before. Where does the power come from? And it sounds like you've got five justices on the Supreme Court who say the president doesn't have the power to unilaterally do this. And that's the issue. It's much the same. If a Republican president, let's say let's say that Donald Trump seeing the economy going the way it was, If Donald Trump had said that the Small Business Administration, which gives loans to small businesses, if he is as the leader of the executive branch, had said. We, as the U.S. government, through the Small Business Administration, we are going to unilaterally just forgive $50,000 of your SBA loan just right there. Don't no questions asked. It's just you apply for it. We'll give it to you. 
The SBA doesn't have that power via statute. Remember, power to the executive branch has to, when it comes, when it, when it's not a constitutional power automatically given by the Constitution, automatically stated in the Constitution, the executive branch, these these agencies under the executive branch, they are given statutory power by Congress. And Congress did not give power to the United States executive branch to do such a thing. They did not give that power to the Small Business Administration to be able to unilaterally just forgive debt. So if Donald Trump had come out and done that, the Democrats would have screamed. They would have pitched an absolute fit because nowhere does that power exist for the executive branch. That's where we are in the student loan forgiveness is that these are government-backed loans that Joe Biden, without any statutory power whatsoever, came in and said, I'm just going to forgive $10,000 off the top. And then as people prepared lawsuits against this, because this is a power that he doesn't have, what he would do is the Biden administration would change the rules very subtly as people would file lawsuits to remove those plaintiffs standing from the case. And so what they tried to do was narrowly carve out the rules that would prevent those people who wanted to sue from actually having standing. And that's why no legal challenge has really gone this far yet. Well, now it has. Now it's coming before the Supreme Court. And the justices are debating right now whether or not the current plaintiffs have standing in this case. And if the plaintiffs have standing, then it will come before the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court is going to look at the question, does the executive branch of the federal government actually have the power to unilaterally just forgive government-backed debt, government-backed loans, without statutory approval from Congress? See, this isn't about what's fair or what's just or anything like that. This is about the power that the executive branch has and is claiming. And right now, conservatives and critics are saying, you don't have the power to do this. And yes, we're making the arguments over whether or not it's fair or anything like that, but the fact of the matter is, this is a usurpation of more power the executive branch does not have, has not been granted by the Constitution, and therefore the Biden administration actually has to justify it. Now, they're saying they do via a previous law, that was passed after 9-11, but statutorily speaking, that law only applies to those affected by the war in Afghanistan. Those who would, those who would go off to fight, those who were a victim in, in anything related to 9-11, people who were fighting in the war, people who were victimized, those, statute, by statute, they had the ability to get loans forgiven, but it did not apply just whole cloth to every American. The law does not allow that. And so as a result, the Biden administration is claiming more power than what they actually have via statute from Congress, and that is the fight we're having right now. And that's why this case before the Supreme Court is so important. All right, 232-1542, if you want to be part of the conversation, if you want to send a message through the KPL app chat, you can as well. We're going to take a break, and we'll be back here on the Joe Cunningham Show in just a moment right here. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. 
if you want to be part of the conversation or send a message through the KPEL app chat. So keep in mind all this stuff that I'm saying about the Biden administration, what they can or can't do. The Biden administration is run by a man who uh, during some speech he was giving today had what I can only call a dear penthouse moment. So please, before I play this clip, just in your mind, think the words dear penthouse. And I had a nurse named Pearl Nelson, military. She'd come in and do things that I don't think you learn in medical school, nursing school. She'd whisper in my ear. I didn't, couldn't understand her. She'd whisper, she'd lean down. She'd actually breathe on me to make sure that I was a, there was a connection, a human connection. She even went home and brought back her pillow from her own bed because she didn't knew the one I had the one comfortable. But I'm not joking. I don't know who nurse Pearl Nelson is that would come in and do things that he didn't think you learn in nursing school, but I'm I'm not sure that was a nurse. I don't know what President Biden was talking about, but it, it seems awfully sketchy. Um, but this uh, once again, Joe Biden goes off script and says something really bizarre. And I mean, that's just par for the, par for the course. And this is the guy who is the face of these policies that are getting challenged before the Supreme Court that are in in many ways deeply unpopular in certain parts of the country that Joe Biden really needs. I mean, remember, as much as younger uh Gen Y, Gen Z, uh, millennials, you know, these, these younger voters really like a lot of people my age and older people who have worked very hard to pay off their own debts, who have worked very hard to uh, to use their money the right way. And if they've gotten themselves into debt, they have worked very hard to get themselves out of it. They're now seeing their tax money being used to go and clean up the messes of younger, more fiscally irresponsible folks. And, and, and this type of thing is just, it was, it was good politics before the midterm election. It was something that got younger voters excited for the Democrats and Joe Biden. But in the long term, it's not going to end up being all that popular a policy because a lot of people really do see it as unfair. And a lot of those people are, are middle America blue collar voters that, the Biden administration really wants to keep, but they they are losing in many, many ways. And it's the fact that the Democratic Party, I mean, that the Republican Party can't seal the deal with those voters because they've got their own issues in terms of candidate quality that really just once the Republicans figure it out on their side. Those voters leave Democrats they they leave Joe Biden and they're not going back because of policies like this, policies that don't favor them, policies that favor those who have not put in their dues or uh, one of the uh, one of the tidbits that came out about this policy when it was first announced is the fact that uh, this benefits upper class white kids more than really anybody else. Kids who go for super expensive degrees, who rack up all this student loan debt more than the people who uh, who keep their heads down. They work, they work, they grind, they they pay off their their debts as they come in. They try really hard to. It benefits the the ones who don't really need it more than the ones who really do need it. And that is a huge, huge problem that the Democrats are going to continue to face. All right. When we come back, the best news of the day. We're going to go from the negative to the positive. The best news of the day. Clay Sheck Snyder now thinking about running for governor 
And boy, do I have some thoughts. You guys are free to call in 232-1542 or send a message through the KPL app. I'll be back in just a moment right here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Good to be speaking with y'all today. It is a very bright and sunshiny day out there. It feels kind of nice. It's not, I mean, it's, it's, my watch says 82 degrees. It doesn't feel too bad. I mean, I would prefer for it to still be in like the high 60s, low 70s maybe, but um, I, I can't be, can't be too angry at it. And, and especially because it is such a great day. Uh, Greg Hilburn at the Daily Advertiser, or you know, for any Gannett paper, he's part of the USA Today Network for across the state. But uh, I'm seeing this in the Daily Advertiser. This is, without a doubt, my favorite story of the day. Louisiana House Speaker Clay Schecksnyder considers governor's race. Oh boy! I love it. Love everything to do with this. Republican Louisiana House Speaker Clay Sheck-Snyder of Gonzales said he is considering entering the governor's race if the GOP congressman Garrett Graves opts out of the race. We're taking a look at it, Sheck-Snyder said in an interview with USA Today Network. A lot depends on what Garrett Graves does. The Republican field already includes State Senator Sharon Hewitt of Slidell, Attorney General Jeff Landry, and State Representative Richard Nelson of Mandeville, along with Treasurer John Schroeder, Independent Hunter Lundy of Lake Charles, has also announced two-term incumbent Governor uh, John Bill Edwards is term-limited and can't run again. Edwards Secretary of Transportation Sean Wilson, also a Democrat, is expected to officially announce his candidacy in March. Sheck Snyder said he believes voters crave a Republican with practical solutions to the state's challenges. Clay Sheck Snyder... Speaker of the Louisiana House of Representatives has yet, in the time that he's been in power, he has yet to offer a practical solution of any sort that would fix anything in the state of Louisiana. The other day, I mentioned when, when Garrett Gray, there was that story that was, I think it was also by Kilburn. Uh, the, the story of Garrett Graves saying, well, I'm feeling extreme pressure to run for governor. By who? Who is out there craving Garrett Graves to run for governor? Because nobody that I've talked to, whether it be people far to my right or people that are way more toward the center than me, Nobody is out there saying, man, if only Garrett Graves would jump in. Outside of maybe the business community of Baton Rouge, I'm not sure who Garrett Graves' base is. And I've been racking my brain. I was like, wow, who has less appeal across the state than Garrett Graves? And then Clay Schecksnyder says, hold my beer. Because there is nobody in the state of Louisiana who would look at Clay Sheck-Snyder and think, man, there's a guy I want to run for governor. Clay Sheck-Snyder is somebody the Republicans don't want because the Republican Party of Louisiana doesn't want any more candidates to jump in. They've already backed Jeff Landry. Conservatives don't want Clay Sheck-Snyder because he sides with the Democrats in order to stay in power. And moderate Republicans look at Clay Sheck-Snyder and think, what have you been able to accomplish? 
And Democrats who voted to get Sheck Snyder in as Speaker of the House, Democrats aren't going to turn around and vote for Sheck Snyder because he's a Republican. Clay Sheck Snyder has a base of maybe 16 people, and those would be family members. I don't know what Garrett Graves sees. I don't know what Clay Sheck Snyder sees in terms of the, of, of the political makeup of Louisiana. That makes anybody think, man, that's where I want to. That's the horse I want to back. In no way, shape, or form does Clay Sheck Snyder have a meaningful campaign for governor. In no way, shape, or form does he have a base. There is nobody in the state of Louisiana just craving for Clay Sheck Snyder for governor. Nobody thinking, Sheck Snyder for governor, that's a name I want to see on signs across the state. People north of I-10 may not even know how to pronounce the name on the yard signs they see. It doesn't help, by the way, as somebody from the northern part of the state, it doesn't help that Sheck Snyder is spelled like 16 different ways, which I learned when I was working in Vermilion Parish. Maybe it's just a Vermilion Parish thing, but I, I, I don't know. There's, I've, I've seen too many different ways to spell Sheck Snyder, but that's neither here nor there. The point is, I don't know who Sheck Snyder's base is, but I think absolutely— Who else who is better to save the Republican Party from itself? Who is better to save us from that that horrible, that too conservative, too Trumpy Jeff Landry than Clay freaking Sheck Snyder? We are saved. I'm sorry for, for being a little too snarky and all this. I've always maintained that in order to run for an executive branch position like governor or like president, you have to have a certain level of ego that most normal human beings don't have. And, and, and frankly, especially to run for president, it takes an almost psychotic level of ego to run. Like uh, you, you look across this vast fruited plain and think, I'm the guy who can fix this. That takes an ego that seems dangerous. Like it, it's dangerous levels of ego to have. To look across the state of Louisiana and think that, I think that takes a certain level of ego. Not as much as like running for president, but still an incredible amount of ego. The problem is, Sheck Snyder doesn't have that level of ego. Sheck Snyder is a guy who came to power and, and, and just looked around like the dog who caught the postal truck. Has no idea what to do with the power of being the Speaker of the House, much less being a Republican of any sort of prominence. Nobody would heard of Clay Sheck Snyder before he became the Speaker of the House, and nobody's going to know who Clay Sheck Snyder is once he leaves that. I tell you, he's really upset with the state party because the state party backed Jeff Landry, which forced Billy Nungesser to see he didn't have a snowball's chance. So Nungesser decided to run for lieutenant governor again, run for re-election there. That upset Sheck Snyder, who's term-limited in the House, because he wanted to run for lieutenant governor. In fact... He helped get across the line a law that would bring control of the lieutenant governor's budget to that office. Which would give him more power over the money in that office, more money over state tourism. He passed those laws so that he could have that power. And now he doesn't get to use that power. 
because Billy Nungesser is going to run for re-election and Billy Nungesser will win re-election. What an incredible, incredibly dumb idea it would be for Sheck Snyder to run for governor. We already have a very crowded field. And again, don't get me wrong. I love the idea of multiple Republicans being in there and fighting it out over ideas. I don't know what ideas Sheck Snyder brings to the table. If Republicans want to keep, if more Republicans want to jump in, great. Absolutely. Do what you got to do. But please keep in mind, you got to bring something to the table. And I don't know what it is Sheck Snyder brings to the table. I was the Speaker of the House for the last four years. Really, what conservative stuff got done? You Okay, cool. You, you rallied the votes to veto John Bell Edwards on redistricting. Okay, fantastic. One conservative victory over a bunch that your voters are really mad you didn't get across the line. Thank God you can't run again, Clay, because you're going to get beat. I think there's a large group of voters out there who are unrepresented in the current field, said Sheck Snyder, who is term limited in the House. <sighs> Y'all. Even if a majority of voters in Louisiana are unrepresented by the current field, Clay Sheck Snyder doesn't represent anybody. He doesn't even represent himself. Clay Schecksnyder has no base. Like, he is not even his own voter. I can't tell you what what Clay Schecksnyder, I can't even say his name. Oh, my God. I can't even tell you. You would think somebody whose career is in words, both written and spoken, would be able to do better with them. But I, I, alas, I cannot. I could not even tell you what Clay Schecksnyder stands for. I can't tell you his positions. I can't tell you his platform because I've looked at his record in the house and I frankly have no idea what in God's name he does other than let votes pass him by. This is why this is my favorite story because I can, I I, I can, I can sit here and armchair armchair quarterback on this, but it doesn't take, a whole lot of genius to go look at a voting record and say, uh, I don't know who he represents. Couldn't tell you. It makes me happy to see a story like this because Clay Sheck Snyder is a guy who's pretending that he's got some sort of ego, some sort of idea about how to run the state, some sort of base that would support him in running for it. This is so much delusion that I can only celebrate it because it is highly entertaining. And I'm being extraordinarily mean. I don't like to normally be this mean. I don't like to normally be, you know, exceedingly like overpassioned about things like this. But this to me is incredibly funny because we're at a very serious time in state government when we're trying to move beyond the stagnation that has been the last eight years. And even more than what John Bell Edwards has done or not done is the fact that 
Nothing has changed in the state of Louisiana. Really, when you look at it, nothing's really changed. And we have not been able to move forward to think that Clay Schecksnyder, who has been the harbinger of stagnation in the Louisiana House of Representatives, could somehow bring us to a new uh, Cajun renaissance. It is nothing short of hilarious. There is no reason that Clay Schecksnyder could seriously consider he's got what it takes to be the governor of the state of Louisiana. But the very fact that he is out there telling reporters in major outlets in the state, oh, yeah, I want to go for it, is in itself the height of political comedy. But I've got to wait and see what Clay, uh, what what Garrett Graves does. Can't can't make any decision till the congressman makes his decision. Meanwhile, as I mentioned last week, Garrett Graves stuck his head out of the ground, saw a shadow. So there's six more weeks of contemplation. We're getting to the point where it's almost too late. It's almost too late for somebody to decide to run. Sean Wilson's cutting it very close by deciding in March. Really close. Any longer, though, Garrett Graves, Clay Schecksnyder, whoever, any longer any of these guys waits, they're going to be working at a severe disadvantage. We've already seen polling data that shows Jeff Landry has a big lead. And you're letting that lead lead extend, lead extend the more you sit there and wait for him to collect more money from donors, for him to get his his operation up and going. 232-1542 if you want to comment or if you want to send a message through the Capo app chat. Would love to hear from you. I'll be right back to close out the show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to be part of the program. Before we go, I want to go back to what I was saying at the beginning of the show. Um, Tonight for boys basketball across the area in high school, there is uh, a lot of good basketball to be played. Uh, Southside on the road, they are going to Lake Charles tonight to play Barb. STM is at home. They will be hosting Edna Carr. Nish will be at home as well. Uh, Lafayette Christian Academy at home. Northside on the road. David Thibodeau STEM Magnet Academy, a school I taught at for a very long time and a team that I have helped coach over several years. They're on the road traveling to to Peabody. Uh, Go Bulldogs. Really want to hear from y'all, especially uh, two of the seniors on the team, Shea Plowden, and uh, Rob Andrus, two kids that I have known since they were in sixth grade, began uh, coaching them when they were in middle school. They are two phenomenal athletes. I cannot wait to see more from. Uh, let's see, St. Martinville will be hosting Plaquemine, Brobridge hosting LaRanger, uh, Opelousas heads to Bozier, Abbeville heads to Wassman and Monroe, Beauchan visits Carroll in Monroe, uh, Ascension Episcopal travels to take on Dunham. Uh, let's see. Ville Platt will be hosting Red River. And J.S. Clark is at some point this week hosting Claiborne, while Episcopal of Acadiana will travel to Family Christian on Thursday. 
Lots of great area basketball. I hope you get to go out and support your team. Uh, even if I'm about to go on the air, go off the air, just uh, when you can, send a message through the KPL app chat. Let me know who you're supporting tonight. Uh, I'm going to be paying attention to those scores. I wish I could go see my Bulldogs play, but alas, I've got to be here with y'all for the day. I don't have time to go and travel to that game. But if they win, I think they come back to the area. Uh, I think they'll technically be away, but I think they're going to be playing somebody from around here uh, in the next round. I haven't, I forgot to check the bracket for that. But anyway, lots of great basketball. Support your local athletes. Uh, as always, it is a, it's so important to those kids for them to get support from the community. I love seeing them get shout outs on social media. I love seeing people in these local gyms watching them play. All right. That's it for me for today. If you want to keep talking, you can chat via the app chat. I will be paying attention to that. Let me know who you are cheering for in local basketball tonight. You can also reach out via Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show, and email Joe at RedState.com. In the meantime, Shannon is offsides. Him and old school nerd in the studio coming up in just a matter of minutes. This is Joe Cunningham for the Joe Cunningham Show signing off. I'll talk to you guys again soon here on News Talk 96.5 KPL.